a honor and a privilege to be able to share God's word with you this morning and to to reveal at least a glimpse of what his word means to us today. I'm just going to pray real quick. Lord, thank you that you speak through your word. Thank you that your word is living and active. I pray that our hearts would be attentive to your voice and that you would be speaking, moving, and guiding us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 130, a song of ascent. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquity, O who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, so that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord, more than watchman for the morning, more than watchman for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love and plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Now, I don't know about you. What I'm about to say may shock you. I don't know. I am not a perfect person. I have I have said words in the heat of the moment that have hurt people I love. I have exaggerated details and stories of my life to make sure that I would be seen as the victim and be taken care of. And I have even ended relationships just so that I wouldn't have to own up to what I had done wrong. It's easier but when I do these things, I real when I do these things and I take a step back and I think about them, I realize two things. That not only have I sinned against people and hurt them, I have chosen against God. How have I chosen against God? That's a good question. I've chosen against God because I have chosen not to trust Him. Not to be and follow the directions he gives me. I have chosen my own way because, God, it would be easier that way. It never really is, is it? And when I realize these things, it can naturally send me into a state of despair because as someone who desires to be closer to God, closer to Christ, When I do these things, I lose any sense of hope that I could be the man God has required and called me to be. And the sad part is, that reality is 100% justified when you realize that you or I can do nothing about our sin. There's nothing you or I could do to be a better person. But God can do it. And that is the good news. That is the good news that is that our God is 
a God who is relational. The God, the God we know, the God we serve, the God we worship is not some distant, uncaring entity that sits up there and revels in our destruction. It's not like, Tegan did it again. Love it. Did the thing. No, 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 no. Our God has revealed himself personally to each and every one of us in the person of Christ for what reason? So that he would sacrifice himself to take on our sin and our brokenness so that we could be in relationship with God. He restored the relationship between God and man. He restored that for each and every one of you so that you and I could walk in hope, could walk in faith, could walk in relationship. That's a powerful thing. So that we could walk in freedom. God is the God of relationship. And it's this very relationship we see take place in the text of Psalm 130 this morning. Psalm 130 is a song of ascent, which means this is a song of, of praise. A song of relationship that the Israelites would sing on their way to Jerusalem three times a year to worship God. And it's in preparing for this that the psalmist realizes their sinfulness realizes their brokenness and that they cannot do anything about their sin. It's this, it's this, it's this weight, it's this anxiety that causes him to cry out. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. He realizes He's approaching God, and he can do nothing about his sin. Now, you may be wondering, what, what is this out-of-the-depths business? Well, out-of-the-depths in Scripture usually means to be deep, 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 deep inside of something. The, think of the depths of the ocean. Right? The depth, the deepness, the darkness of that. Or the depths of the realm of the dead, the place of Sheol, as talked about in Psalm 16.10. But in this case, the, the, the depths is the depths of his own broken heart that is covered by sin and realizes its need for mercy. It is this, this kind of guttural place. And, and the, the cry can also be translated as to call. So the psalmist is calling out to God, saying, I need help. This is who I am. Sinful, broken. This is who God is. Perfect goodness, holiness, and justice. But the good news is that with God there is 
forgiveness, and hope. That for those who are in relationship with God, which are those who seek Him, love Him, desire Him, pursue Him, there is forgiveness. This is why the psalmist is careful to, to state that for those who do these things, there is not condemnation. For if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, who could stand? What does that mean? That means the Lord does not count iniquity against those who are in relationship with him. Why? Because he loves them and he desires them and he wants to rescue them. He could mark everything, but his love that sacrificed everything blots it out so that you and I could be rescued. It's worth also noting that the text is something interesting. The text give a, gives us a reason for that forgiveness. It says, with you there is forgiveness so that you may be feared. It's a fair question to say, Tegan, I thought God was relational. I thought he loved me. I thought he wanted relationship with me. So where does this to be feared come from? That doesn't sound loving. To be feared can be understood as to be reverenced. So that God could be seen for who he is. That yes, God is holy. That yes, God is pure. That yes, God cannot dwell with sin. But he is also merciful and quick to forgiveness. He is compassionate. He is tender-hearted. So it's to recognize God for who he is. And it's important to recognize that when this song is being sung, the Israelites are surrounded by myriads and myriads of false deities. Deities that do not forgive. Demand sacrifices. Demand offerings. One of the key examples comes to us in Kings chapter 18, 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 20 to 40, where the, the prophet Elijah challenges the prophets of Baal to basically a God showdown. We will build an altar to our gods and we will worship him and we'll see if Baal answers. So the prophets of Baal are like, all right, I'll take you up on it. And so they build an altar and they worship, they worship and they dance around. They implore God. All the while Elijah is saying, where is your God? He has not answered you. He, he must be asleep. Do you imagine how humiliating that would be? It gets to such a degree that the prophets of Baal start cutting themselves and bleeding, demanding and begging that their God would answer them. And yet it took one prayer from Elijah to have God send down the holy fire and go... 
consume the whole thing. So he's rem the writer is reminding the Israelites of the truth of God. That their God is not distant, is not uncaring. Rather, He is right there all the time providing, protecting, and guiding them to freedom. So, this all sounds great. Right? The fact that although we, although we sin and we choose against God, if we turn back to Him and we repent, there is forgiveness and there is relationship and there's hope. Doesn't that sound great? There is one, well, there's one major problem. That is, instead of running towards the very heart of God that is relational, instead of running towards the heart of God that offers forgiveness, hope, and, and peace, we run away. Right? We don't have those difficult conversations that bring us closer to God. We run away. We think of Adam and Eve in the garden. This is our, this is our MO. Instead of running to God when God says to Adam, where are you? That wasn't to bring them to destruction. That was to have them open their hearts to him and be honest. And Adam says, what? We hid because we realized we were naked. To which God says, who told you that? Because, again, our God is relational. He does not hide things from us. So, we run away. We want to pretend that we've got it all figured out. We want to pretend that it's all good. We've done nothing wrong. Or maybe we just don't have the strength to face it on our own. So this is where we run down to verse 5. After, after running away and losing any sense that we could be loved, forgiven, and brought back into the family of God, the psalmist reminds us of something profound. That as the soul waits, it is in God's word that he hopes. Why? Because God, God's word is always true. It's also something that's external to us. It's something that is besides our feelings and our emotions, which very easily, I don't know for me anyways, can lead me astray. But it is in God's word that we find hope because we know that what God has spoken through the prophets to this point and ever after will be true. Why? Because we know who God is. And we know that God, being all goodness, cannot lie. He will not lie. Because that's just not who God is. 
So we find we find hope in his word and as for and as for that hold on one moment this is one of those human moments where as much reciting as it is can come to fail sometimes yeah that no matter what we think or feel the relation when we are pursuing him and in relationship with him there is forgiveness no matter what he is careful to describe that in this relationship, he waits for the Lord. What is that? Because no one likes waiting. Prove me wrong. If you like waiting, come talk to me after the service. But this waiting is not a waiting where you're just forced to sit around and eat a bag of potato chips. This, this waiting is a waiting of anticipation. Waiting, knowing that, knowing that, that God will do what he said he will do. That his word is true. And you can believe that. And so you wait with anticipation. The psalmist is waiting with anticipation to see how God will answer his call. To see how God will come through for him. He knows. He knows it's true because he knows who's, who God is and he knows who he is to God. Which is someone who loved and pursues him. This hope of the word means that that you can you can trust God forgives you even when you don't feel it. And in that promise you can find strength to continue believing, continue hoping, to continue trusting in what he says he he has done and what he will do. That that he will hear the cry of your heart. The psalmist continues to describe this waiting as he waits like a watchman waits for the morning. And after all, what is a watchman's purpose? It's anticipating the morning, right? This this is a this is an image for two good reasons. A, it's it it talks about how we can trust God in the midst of the darkness of our life. But also, it it prefigures what Christ would do for us. A watchman not simply just waited for the morning. He waited with, with joy and hope for the morning because he knew if I survive to the morning and I have taken care of the sheep, I've done my job right. Because what would a watchman do? He would put himself between the sheep and the enemy. You want to take out the sheep? You got to take out me first. He put his life on the line and he waited with anticipation so that he would see the morning, so that he would see that God had guided him through that. This is the anticipation that the psalmist has and that we can also have. That even in the midst of our darkness, God as the good shepherd is standing guard. He is, he is watching over his children even in their darkest moments. So, the, 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 the longing then can also mean the reality that we wait 
for the hope of God. We wait for the truth of God, and we long for God himself to arrive. And we long for the light of God. And what is the light of God? But the very word of God. The very word of God that is spoken as being a lamp unto our feet in Psalm 119, verse 105. That is why in his word we can hope. Because even in the midst of the darkness of the world around us, even in the midst of our sadness, the light of God is still very much living and active. So now the text goes to a more global context, right? We've gone from the individual to now the exhortation of Israel. This also, coincidentally, brings me to my three kind of main points. One, realize that when you have sinned, and or are struggling mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. God wants to enter into your heart. God wants you to open your heart to him so that he can shine the light of hope, restoration, and perfect peace. That, that, um, sorry, my eyes aren't tracking. Hold on. Um, yeah, restore that hope which is in you, which is the forgiveness, steadfast love, and redemption offered to you by Christ and Christ alone. Right? God wants to hear the cry of your heart. He wants to be there. That's what he desires to do. Because, again, our God is not distant. Our God close to the broken heart. And there is. And God never gets overwhelmed with us. I get overwhelmed with myself. So that's good news. Secondly, realize that that um Realize that it's exactly because of your sinful nature that you are placed in community. Because James 5.16 says in part, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Because you and I are broken, that we're actually put in community. Because why? Because God is relational. And one of the ways we have relationship with God is through the relationship that we have with his people. And, you know, the amazing thing is that none of us are without sin in this room. And yet, we're exactly where we're supposed to be because although the, the sins and struggles you and I may go through may not be the same as everyone else's. <laughs> I'm sure if you started talking to a few trusted loved ones here or trusted friends even, they would say, hey, been there. Maybe not in the same way. Maybe not in the same situation, but I've been there. And that is the beauty of praying for one another and being healed because you realize, oh wait, it's not just me. That's pretty great. And then finally, 
realize that um, realize that there is no person no no sin too dark no person too broken no no habit too long that the lord does not want to be in relationship with and forgive and bring to restoration to to um to to remember these truths of scripture that for those who pursue him and repent and put their trust in him scripture reminds us that a bruised reed he will not break in Matthew 12:20 a contrite heart he will not despise this is the god we serve to realize that god desires a relationship with you and loves you he wants to enter into the darkest parts of your life and shine the light of love restoration and holiness so that you and i can get back up and and be raised up to become the son or daughter he has made and has called each and every one of you to be and to to live a life that is full of hope that hope being that you are no longer weighed down by the guilt and shame of sin but rather you are brought to hope restoration and freedom knowing that those sins are forgiven and and that you can walk in the truth of his word that you are forgiven now this all sounds great as i said earlier this is good news but i would be amiss if i did not touch on another reality of this text and that is that these promises are for those who are in relationship with him and and the and that is good news because if you are not in relationship with him it's not too late it's never too late and so if you are not sure where you stand with god today maybe maybe you've been in the church for a while but you know life gets busy and and faith kind of kind of has to just go by the side but you want these promises of forgiveness and restoration and steadfast love and plentiful redemption let me encourage you that is something you want uh, to uh, to just be in your seat and and pray this prayer along with me as i prayed for myself Lord Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner and I am in need of your restoration. I am in need of the help and forgiveness that you alone can provide. I recognize that you sacrificed your life for me so that I would be brought home to you. That I could be brought into relationship with God. Lord, 
accept your free gift of salvation that I could not earn. And I trust my life, my hope, in you and you alone. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for taking on my sin so that I could walk in freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. If you pray that prayer um, after the service, come talk to Lauren, come talk to me. We would love to. We would love to talk to you more about what comes next, what relationship with God looks like, and we're excited to do that with you.